Welcome to Straight Thinking, a GPS for the Christian mind, teaching you how to think, not just what to think. This is Joe Aguirre with theologian and philosopher Kenneth Samples and physicist Dave Rogstad. On today's podcast, we welcome Dr. Jim Painter. Dr. Painter is a visiting scholar and registered dietitian. He has served as director of nutrition research for the California Raisin Marketing Board, among other positions he's held. And uh, Jim has been with us before, Ken, uh, on this podcast and at Reasons to Believe. So first of all, hello there, uh, Jim. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Joe. It's good to be here. We've had the pleasure of talking with Jim in the past, but uh, Jim, I've got some more questions for you. So <laughs> we brought you back to, to answer all of our wonderful questions. Uh, good to have you here. We really appreciate your work as a visiting scholar. And every time you come, people have all kinds of questions because they're interested in health and food. Right. And uh, so it's great to have you. It's really good to be here. I just love reasons to believe. I spent uh, a week ago at ASA, and they're a great group of Christian thinkers. And I really do like it. And I like hearing all the diversity of things, but it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> when I'm here listening to Fuzz and Hugh, I thought that makes sense. And, and that makes sense. You know, yeah. the, the whole idea of how uh, the world came to be, and, and with, from Fuzz's opinion, that you know, and Hughes too, you, you die off, you create, you die off, you create, you die. It sure seems like that's what happened in the record. Yeah. But the, the people there know, most of the people there go, now it's all evolution. That just, that's a bad record. Okay, but it's all we got, the record. Yeah. So I just enjoy, enjoy being here because it seems like as far as I can tell, you know, that it all fits. And, and I like the kind of the theological structure that um, RTV has come up with. So I feel very at home here. You're well, good, comfortable uh, in, in that environment. Well, I have a couple kind of warm-up questions for you. A lot of our listeners are readers, they're thinkers. I talk a lot about books. So I have a standard question I like to ask our guests, and that is, if you had to go live on a deserted island and you couldn't bring your Bible with you, other than your Bible, or, or let's say you could bring your Bible and two other books— is there two books that that pop out at you that you today I got to take them? You know it really does, and so since I'm a nutritionist, one of them is some kind of a reference for that because you can't okay. remember it all and you can't know it all. Okay. And so the book that impressed me most in the 1980s uh, was called German Commission E, and it's like what doctors have here, the red book that they have that has all the medicines in it and all the interactions, yeah. how it works, what they do. So German Commission E did that with herbal supplements and with foods. And so it's been around. They've been updating it forever. It came, it finally was translated into English, I think, in the 90s. And so we have an English version of it. And that just gives you all the things you can't remember. Great. And, and so I would, I would do that. And I was thinking the other book, there's another one like that too. It's called Foshu. Japan did it. Foods, uh, foods for specific health uses. And, and that was a close second. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then for the other, for, for my thinking, you know, the first the book that came into mind is James W. Sire, The Universe Next Door. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's the first one that got me thinking about all of this, you know, how everybody's so different. You just think, well, they're like me. You will say hello, yeah. and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do you think? <laughs> Sire's worldview book influenced me as a, as a young Christian. It influenced my own writing of my book on worldviews. And I completely agree. Dave, I know you share this view that worldview thinking gives you that capacity to kind of step into another person's world right. and kind of compare and contrast. So good. Right. Yes. Okay. One more, one more question here uh, that I'd like to ask you, Jim, um, you are a dietitian. You're, you come out of a science background. You're a STEM type of individual. Um, when you and and you had some time at the ASA where they have an evolutionary creation perspective or theistic evolution where RTB is old earth creation, so uh, no evolution uh, in our in our context. But here's my question for you. Um, if somebody walks up to you and says, look, Jim, um, I know you're a Christian, you know, you, you believe in a theistic God, you believe Christ is the son of God. What, what is the strongest 
piece of evidence or argument that makes you think your worldview, your Christian faith is valid and true? You know, I say this is a little shaky right now because all these people in the past months, two or three months with uh, James Webb have been saying, yeah, you know, the Big Bang's in, in, in jeopardy. You know, and then he right. goes, not really. It's, and so I, when I read it in the detail, it's the idea that there's all these things that go along with the Big Bang, but the basic idea of the Big Bang is still solid. Yeah. And that, oh, I've, I've had that in my mind from the beginning as I was a believer. It makes so much sense. Everything, all of, all of space, all of time, all material, all energy, nothing. It all came to being at once. And it's just such a logical thought to me that, if you have something created, there must be a creator. I mean, every single thing we touch in life is that way. Everything. Yeah. So why is this one different? And I've never had anybody give me a, a good response. They'll go off into something else. Well, he's not active today. Well, that's not what we're talking about right now. Yes. We're talking about this is what did this. And so what you're defining the Christian definition of God. It's outside of time, outside of space, extremely powerful, extremely intelligent, it sounds like an omniscient, omnipresent, you know, yeah. creator. It's almost to define what that is. Okay, outside of time, outside of space, before matter, so it's not material. What it has to be that that definition created it. And I think, man, that is the most. Whenever I d doubt anything or I start wondering about something, I go back to that. Yeah. And here's my big uh, reason for being a Christian: that I'm here. You know, yeah. and that the way that science tells us we got there through, you know, 13 billion years ago is that it all came together. Why? Yeah. How? So I, I, I usually start with that because it, it, that's what I go back to. Right. Yeah. Now, let, let me flip it. Is there something that stands out that from time to time challenges your faith that you go back to and say, hmm, how do I how do I sort that out? How do I reason through it? You know, of all things, this is the funniest thing, maybe. The thing that to me is the most <clears throat> odd or unexplainable is, is carnivores. Okay. Yes, yeah, from the beginning. I, I look at that and I'll see these animals just tearing things to shreds and think for that to fit into my paradigm, that was designed. It didn't evolve out of goo. Okay. <laughs> you know, then why? And so we had a philosopher on here that was talking about uh, how animals feel pain. That was very helpful to me, but that's been one of the hardest things. Like they're suffering. And she said, no, I mean, animals have this flight, they go and the energy goes, but all of a sudden there's a point where they freeze. And, and she says they disconnect. They, they don't feel pain like we do. And it just shuts off. And so they're not suffering. It's, it's, it's more like a game. They run, 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 run. They get caught. It's, it's good. And they're not worried about it. But that's the thing that's caused me the most. And like everybody else, suffering and pain, horrible suffering and yeah. horrible pain. I just think, I, I, well, there's an enemy out there. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. And it's, it's at, we have free will and there's an enemy that's working at that. Yeah, I get that. That's my answer. But it doesn't seem like a good answer to me either. Yeah, pr predation strikes me. Uh, intellectually, it makes sense to me. Emotionally, when I watch <laughs> National Geographic and the little deer is chased by twelve right. wolves, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think, I think your thinking there is right. Joe and Dave, do, would you like to jump in and ask a question or two of Jim before? Yeah, yeah, I, I have a, a question, uh, Jim. Uh, I've had the pleasure as one of the editors here at RTB to edit some of your blog posts that you've written for us. I wonder, I think it might be beneficial for our listeners who love RTB anyway, and maybe they, they missed uh, your post, to explain some of the work that you do and how you connect it to RTB's model. That's my whole life. It's going to take uh, <laughs> time here to try and work on that one. And so, you know, I, um, I really want to try and see how Nutrition. Is there a nutrition connection to this? Because I love uh, what Hugh came up with for his testable creation model. You know, people say, it's not testable. You can't test Christian. I hear that all the time. Yeah. And when he came up with that, all right, let's work. The first test goes back to the Big Bang. All right. 
let's look at it. What does the Bible say? The first verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. And, and so I thought, as I think of his testable creation model, then we can contest things from that. And, uh, and he has a variety of things. And so I started thinking about food and, and the, the um, not the food laws necessarily, but the whole, the food principles that are in the Bible. Well, I mean, I understand that for other things, you're not fasting to lose weight back uh, 3,500 years ago, you know, right. there was yeah. a reason for fasting, but in my, in God's wanting to do something for this reason, uh, is it really good for us too? You know, is, is it contradictory? And so that's one of the things I'm going to work on while I'm here. It doesn't seem to be. They all seem to fit. Whether you're talking about the basic diet in the beginning uh, with just uh, fruits and, uh, and plants uh, and seeds, and that was a great diet. And, and I started looking at that thinking, wow, let's look at our digestive system and how we digest that. The enzymes we have, the type of system we have, that works. Suppose God had told us, you're going to eat the grass of the field. Well, we'd all be dead because we can't digest that stuff, you know? And so isn't that odd that 3,500 years ago, uh, out of nothing, from nothing, somebody just decided to create this up in their head and came up with these ideas. Hmm, it's amazing how that it fit in with our physiology. Because you look at the, the ruminants that are out there that are eating the grass, their bodies are so different than ours. They just, and they're all different. I mean, a rabbit is a ruminant. Uh, it goes out yeah. there, it nibbles, 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 and it poops. And then it only, it, poops out two kinds of poop. And, and so it goes back and eats one of them. Oh, that's odd. <laughs> that's, you know, we don't generally go eat poop. But <laughs> I know, I know I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say we don't always, because one time I went out of the house, opened the door to the house and my son's got you bad dog, smacking the dog and the baby's there. And there's a little poop there. And I almost got there and he picked up the poop and he oh. ate it. Oh. And so mm. I poop around his two front teeth. He's oh. screaming and his mother comes to the door. What are you feeding the children? <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> I experiment on the children. So you feed up. No, but he did eat some poop. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I look at that and then you've got the cows that have this amazing, you know, four stomach that holds 25 gallons. That's a wow. lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I look at that. God said, you know, you eat this. And that's, that's exactly right. And not all one way. You got these these four stomach fermenters, you've got the hindgut fermers like the horses, and then you've got rabbits. I don't know how they'll classify those, but they all have a system, a mechanism to eat that stuff. But, mm. you know, if all we had was grass, we get so few calories out, we would be dead because we can't eat enough. We can eat enough, but we don't get enough calories to survive. And I just think that shows, that's got to fit into the testable creation model somehow. And, and I'm going to be working with you over the next week to see how it does. Good. Nice. <laughs> Dave, how about you? Uh, just go ahead. I'm listening with great interest. <laughs> well, Jim, I want to talk a little bit on our program about fasting. And you already know that fasting has a long tradition uh, in the biblical traditions. Uh, Christianity, uh, I think of in the medieval period, the, the uh, in ancient world, uh, there was fasting that Christians would experience, and it was part of their spiritual discipline. I want you to to talk a little bit about fasting, um, primarily from the standpoint of a of a health point of view. But I I also want you to comment on this idea that Christians for many centuries have thought that fasting is something that could be incorporated both uh, and that could be done to help their spirituality. So tell us a little bit about fasting. You know, the first thing when I was a young believer, I was interested in fasting as a spiritual discipline. Okay, why? What, what does it do? I, I noticed what it did. If I've got this thing going on here that I'm lusting for this, I need this car, I want that stuff, I need this stuff, you know, I want to, I want to overdo this, I want to overdo that. And then, and then if I if I fast and I say no, if I choose to take control of myself and say no to that, that gives me strength over here on everything else. Mm. That's the most amazing thing about fasting. It's a thing we can decide to do to do it that helps give us control of us. You know, yeah. and people, the other people think about fasting. Oh, I'm going to fast and convince God to give me something, you know? Oh, you mm. poor guy, Jim, you're just, you know, skin and bones, you know, of course I'll give it to you. What do, we, what do you want? <laughs> I'll give it to you. And which is kind of the first idea I had about fasting. And the Bible specifically says no to that. You know, that's not why we do it. 
Um, but you tend to do it. I'll just, I need this, I'll fast. Well, fasting doesn't change God. It changes me in multitudes yeah. of ways. So the basic ideas of why I think the Lord put fasting in all this, it's for that reason. And, and there's lots of other ones. When we mourn, uh, when we weep, fasting, you, your body says, I don't want to eat anyway. Yeah. You know, and so, okay, God says in these times you fast, but your body's already with you because it says, I don't want to eat because I'm, I'm mourning and it just doesn't, you don't want to put it in. And, and even when you're sick, you know, a dog gets sick and you say, eat, eat and go, no, I don't want to eat. Right. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to lay down, drink water. No, I'm doing nothing. I'm laying here. And the, the dog just goes with its system and its system says that. Well, our says it too, but grandma's saying, eat. You gotta eat something. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've got grandma pushing food on you. No, I don't feel like eating. And, and there's such a, a wonderful system that you can see functioning around fasting. Before you even talk about health, it does the variety of things. And so one of the things I want is to you to teach me more about that part of it over the last, say, five thousand years, and and what the church has done because my churches don't. My wife was raised Catholic. Uh, she isn't now, and they would fast every Friday, but I don't think anybody does that either. Lent, you'd fast, but nobody does that. Yeah. You know, I'll give up not uh, sitting in that chair for for Lent. And so Lent had that, still does a little bit. It's all shrinking away. And yeah. the place I see it is in uh, is in the Muslim community. You know, Islam is still amazing. And their fasting uh, is odd because you don't eat in the time when you're supposed to. You this fast. is called Ramadan, the Ramadan, month of Ramadan. Right. And, and so I've got some students that are, that are Muslim. And that even shows benefit in the literature, which amazed me. I think, you know, you, you eat, 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 and go to bed. And you get up and eat, 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 and then you don't eat all day. That's a backwards kind of fasting. But even that has medical benefits to it. And, and they still do it vehemently. And in yeah. mass, they still do it. And my question to you is, can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> is uh, in Christendom, this doesn't happen at all, except for the old churches, like Orthodox churches. Yeah. And I bumped at some people in Hawaii once and they took me to a Vespers. I said, what's a Vespers? You know, my wife says, it's Vespers, it's prayer. I don't know that. I don't know what it is. And so we did that. And their whole system is you have a service and you face a wall and the you're not talking to the priest. He's not talking to you. He's talking to God. Oh, that's interesting. And they still have, for many reasons, they're still doing fasting. And, and, and so for us, it only happens in Seventh-day Adventists, some and Mormons, and but generally it doesn't. So the idea of how it's been going for centuries, thousands of years, you know, yeah. in the Orthodox Church and how it left, why it left, and how do we get it back in the rest of the church? You know? Yeah. Well, it, no, it's a, it's a fascinating topic. And, and certainly as you think about the branches of Christendom, Orthodoxy, Catholicism, and Protestantism, Orthodoxy has had a long tradition, um, particularly of people who were living in the desert, uh, had a nomadic uh, desert kind of lifestyle, who were part of the monastic kind of tradition. Uh, fasting was a, was part of that. Uh, th there was a famous book written by Athanasius, one of the great church fathers of the East. He wrote about uh, Antony and Antony's part of Antony's spiritual warfare was fasting in the desert, really kind of incorporating what you were saying. Hey, if I can show discipline here, I can then transfer that discipline there. I think that fasting is still part of the Catholic tradition, particularly in the um, monastic side. Mm -hmm. uh, I attend an Anglican church. There is fasting. Uh, particularly for Lent. I think it's it's a bit more constrained. I have Adventist friends as well. They have just a, a large and expansive view of health and things of that nature. But uh, I, th I think you're right. I, I think there are traditions that were practiced in the ancient church, and they, they seem not to have come with us into the contemporary world. And I, I think many of the things they did then, and of course, that's a very big part of my mission and ministry is showing people that church history has real application today. And so uh, it's interesting that you uh, pick that up. Now, I have a question for you, Jim. Uh, I talked to my doctor about losing weight, 
And he said something to me that kind of startled me at first. He said, uh, Ken, losing weight is 90% diet, 10% exercise. And I had always thought, well, uh, the reason I've gained weight is I'm, I'm probably eating too much or eating wrong things, but I'm not exercising enough. Uh, I talked to Fuzz about this. Fuzz says, yeah, that's what the data indicates. Now, it, it, there was a bit of pushback from, from Hugh and AJ Roberts. They thought, well, wait a second here. But it seems like the data indicates that. Does that surprise you? No, I've seen that same thing in the data. And I see it just in everybody that I know. You can always, always, always out eat your exercise. Mm, <laughs> you, <yeah>. can, <laughs> you can you can say I'm gonna exercise, do all this stuff. I, I see these young girls, uh, college students on a treadmill and they're 102 pounds and they're just sweating and running and running and running and running and running. They do it for an hour and they step off and eat a tiny candy bar and they've already taking care of all that exercise. Wow. Oh, <laughs> so it's so different. The big guy burns energy. Smaller bodies don't burn as much energy. And it's generally women, but small men too, the same kind of thing. And so you always can out eat your exercise. Mm. But even aside from that, what's making us overweight, it is partly being a couch potato. We just don't move like we did. Yeah. But the people that I have seen over the years that have lost weight, it's because of a dietary pattern that they do. And there's so many different ways to do this in, in a diet. The one of the popular ones right now is the ketogenic diet. Yeah, and and it really does. It, it's totally separate from exercise, and it changes your metabolism. And so you just eat less, and and you're not as hungry because when you stop eating sugars at all, no hardly any carbohydrates, your whole body metabolism flips to burning fat. It's kind of what happens when you see a runner. Uh, a runner that's not on a ketogenic diet will run, 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 and then boof, they hit the wall and they fall over. Yeah, because they're metabolizing sugar, 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 and after the sugar's gone, boof, they, then they're done. And, but if they had been metabolizing fat, and I've seen this too, long distance runners that go on a ketogenic diet, they don't ever hit the wall because uh, you've always got fat. You can just keep going and going and going and going and going. Yeah, and so that switching from one metabolism to the other, um, it seems to be very effective. But in general. The Atkins ketogenic diet has failed for other reasons um, that we don't stay on it. We stay on it until such a time and we don't keep yeah. doing it. Then we get back into the metabolism of, of carbohydrate and we lose the benefits because when you are not having sugar and your insulin isn't shooping up all the time, uh, you tend to lose uh, those strong hunger pains and yeah. you just don't have to eat. So I agree that... Uh, Eating in whatever form you talk about uh, is the main answer to weight loss. And it's um, exercise is, is good for other things. If you want to live longer, <laughs> you need to exercise. Yes. You know, and so there's multiple reasons for exercise. And it's great to exercise when you're dieting because when you exercise, you're building muscle. And muscle is what burns energy. Fat just sits there and muscle is burning energy. So when you exercise, you flip over uh, to having more muscle you tend to lose weight longer. We did a study on the zone diet. It's mm. the 20, 40, 30, 30 diet. And it's kind of like this. It's not strict like a keto diet, but it's uh, carbohydrates, fats, and proteins is 40, 30, 30. Oh. And so it limits the amount of carbohydrates. And we had one group of subjects that we that exercised during it and so many minutes a day. And we had another group that didn't exercise during it. And lo and behold, they lost about the same amount of weight, but those that exercise, when you looked at their body composition, they were much more muscle at the end okay. than the people who didn't exercise. So they're related. Even they're if... related, yes. Uh, another question. Uh, I've lost some weight with uh, intermittent fasting, and uh, I want to ask you a little bit about that. I, I, I just noticed that if I go to bed... And I'm a little, I'm still a little bit hungry. I'm not, uh, I so I don't eat late at night. I don't eat past a particular time, maybe five or seven o'clock. And then I go to bed and there is a an extended period of fasting. Now, uh, when, I, when I'm ready to eat after that, I, I want to eat. <laughs> but uh, I want you to talk a little bit about that and the idea, you know, sometimes people, I think, uh, Jim, get, 
discouraged going feeling hungry a lot is a that's that's a hard challenge at some time it, it it's it takes discipline but it can also be discouraging your thoughts on that well here we go again my thoughts on this are endless <laughs> there's lots of things we can talk about on this give us some and of your so high we points can, we can go through it again later sometime maybe but when we were on calorie-restricted diets, okay, all you get is 1,200 calories. That's all I get. So all day, all night, all day, you're always thinking about food, food, food. And every time you eat, I got to eat less, got to eat less, got to eat less. And you're always thinking about eating less. Oh, that was too much. I shouldn't eat that. Mm. So the thing we've done for the last 50 years is, okay, 1,200 calorie diet, 1,500 calorie diet. <laughs> it's been the most dismal failure because you're always hungry. You yeah. never eat enough to fill up. So you're hungry after you ate. And so- <laughs> The, the thing about intermittent fasting and what you're talking about here is time-restricted because there's different kinds of intermittent fasting, but time-restricted fasting, I'll let you eat all you want until you're full. So, and, and then someone will say, okay, restrict the amount of time. So eat in the morning, stop at two in the afternoon. Then I'm starving when I go to bed. Okay, eat late. So uh, eat at noon and eat till seven. Well, then I'm starving in the morning. Well, sometime you're gonna have to starve. You know, it's good. <laughs> it, it is good for you to be hungry. I mean, we as Americans can live our life. Did I ever feel a hunger pain? I, I don't think I felt a hunger pain wow. in seven months. Hmm. Uh, I just, when I eat, and then I get a little twinge of, I think I might need to even before I do it and eat it. Yeah. And we can go for long periods of time without even feeling hunger. And so, you know, how do you do that? What you said is, is the way I do it. Uh, I try and eat in a six hour period a day. Sometimes it's eight. And sometimes it's only four because if I wait and I, I'm having so two o'clock maybe or what, and I eat, sometimes I eat a big meal and that's all I need, one meal. I'm like a lion, you know, eat one big meal and you're good, yeah. it, which might almost be the best thing for most people. Now, there's reasons why you may not be able to do that, but it's really, really rare. Most middle-aged, overweight Americans eat when we want, eat what we want, eat as much as we want. I want my stuff now. You yeah. know, yeah. it's it's good to be hungry just to break that cycle and go, wait a minute, whose body is this anyway? Oh, that's right. This is a temple of God. Yeah, yeah, right. Remember that. Oh, <laughs> so I should be eating for the temple too. Yeah, yeah, not not just what I like. And so God is so good to us. He makes it so pleasurable. The sweets and the salty and the bitter and the astringent things that we eat and all the amazing aromas to it. It's really fun to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but- but again, that's like with anything. Sex is good. You're married to one person, it's good. You just like it and you just do it with everybody as much as you can all the time. Well, that's obviously taken something God made to a lustful situation. We can do that with food too. Yeah. And so I think it's good. So when people say I'm hungry, I say good. <laughs> you know, Enjoy being hungry for a minute because you know that at a certain time, you're going to get to eat whatever you want. Here's a question. Uh, in just a comment. Uh... Go ahead, Dave. Jewish friend at uh, work, JPL. He said he loved being Jewish because their traditions are you have these week-long meals where you just sit and eat, and eat, and eat. <laughs> <laughs> After yeah. all, God established these three feast times during the year. That, the that's that's the way to test the truth of a religion. How much do you get to eat? <laughs> <laughs> here, here is a, here is a. Uh, a point I'd like you to react to, Jim. Um, St. Augustine said that the trouble with being a sinner is we're cut off from God, and we start looking at things that are good and attractive to us, uh, like food, like sex, but we have these disordered drives. That is, we start looking for food and for sex and whatever good things that are out there, but we're demanding that they meet our, our eternal needs. And then we start seeing, well, food doesn't seem satisfy it, uh, or sex doesn't, the more sex right. I have, it doesn't seem to satisfy. Your thoughts ab about that idea that people have, there, there is a disordered way of thinking as a sinner. You know, I, I think that that is uh, something that is totally foreign to the United States of America today. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like we're all, you know, three-year-old children. And I teach my grandkids this, you know, they, I want this, I want that. 
me, my, my stuff. I want my stuff. Yeah. And it gets back to whose are we? And so in, in Christianity, he has done everything. He gave his life and he's done giving and he gave it and he paid the price. And now we're sitting here with this. What do we do with it? You know, how do I use this in my life? And it gets into food and, and everything else. All right. He has forgiven us. He has. Well, that means I can keep sinning every day. Well, Paul said, no, no, that's not the idea, guys. You're missing it. Right. You know, you are forgiven. You just are. But now you've given yourself to back to the Lord to be used by him. And so it's it's I can use it as a test to see how well I'm walking with my father. <laughs> yeah. If I'm thinking more about the food, what do we have for lunch? What's for dinner? What do we have for breakfast? <clears throat> more than I am for him, you should be doing that with him. What am I going to talk to you about tonight, father? And what are we going to do th tomorrow morning? And tomorrow, what do you have me doing? And <clears throat> our, our goal should be to do what we do with food with our father. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. it's a great test. How much are you thinking about food? How much are you dreaming about what you're going to eat? How much are you planning on what you're going to do? How much are you doing that compared to how much are you doing with, with your father? And God, what do you want me to do today? What am I, what am I supposed to be doing? And then enjoying fellowshipping with him. And so we do. We're a fallen species. We have. He gave us free will and our parents blew it and then we blow it. And I think food is a wonderful thing to use, <laughs> to see. Mm -hmm. uh, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory mm -hmm. of God. And I think, oh boy, God. Did all that stuff I just eat glorify you? Because I think a hot fudge sundae can glorify God. I think it can. Uh, when I do it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, all the time, then obviously something has gone wrong and we're back into the lusts of the flesh and the eye and we're living for ourselves and not living for him. So food is just a wonderful thing. My greatest scourge of life is eating right. You would think I'm a nutritionist. It should be easy. <laughs> no, no, it really is not because I know much more than I do, but I can use it as a mechanism to help me walk with God and to, you know, whatever I do, whatever, eat or think, do it all to the glory of God. And whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, oh, you know, after, I think you can do that. You work hard, you have a big day, you have a big celebration, you want to celebrate with a big piece of cake and can't, whatever, fine. And I think God's right there with you going, yes, you did a good job. And we want to celebrate. So we do. But then, mm, that was really good. I think I'll have that for breakfast too. And, and yeah. it, it keeps, where's your mind? What, where is your, where are you? Are you here looking at food about the next thing you're going to eat? Or is that the same fervency that I have with my father? that I want to be with you, Father. I want to do what you want to do. I want to live with you. I want to think about you. I want to talk to you every day and I want to live with you. And where it's so interesting to me, food. I'm at meetings. What are we having for lunch? What are we having? <laughs> <laughs> We're at church. What are you having for lunch? Where are you going for lunch? You know? mm -hmm. Church happens to be right before lunch. Now, now there is an alternative to reasons to believe. It's called reasons to eat. <laughs> uh, Joe, I have a question that I want you or Dave to jump in. Um, Jim, interesting to me that being on Facebook, I have uh, Facebook friends from Africa, from China, from uh, third world countries, and sometimes they send me images. And uh, I think to myself, wow, I am very fortunate to live in the country that I do. I'm fortunate. I have many, uh, I have money, I have a home. I have lots of wonderful things, and there are a lot of people in the world that uh, they don't always know where their next meal is coming from. And uh, I was struck by th that idea that it's it's easy to think if you live in the West that, um, you know, you don't have to think about where your next meal is going to come from. Of course, there are exceptions to that. But I, I sometimes feel guilty. I think, wow, there are uh, people in this world. I, I think of Viktor Frankl, the mm. famous psychiatrist yeah. who was in the Holocaust, who said uh, people in the death camps were being systematically starved. They were doing heavy labor. He said when they gave up hope, they were literally living on hope. And when that hope was taken away, they'd collapse in death. Um you know, I'm struck by that idea because there are a lot of people on this planet who know the feeling of going to bed without food. I think of kids that 
for for me, the thing that challenges me, my faith at times, is the suffering of children. Thoughts about uh, living in America as opposed to the rest of the world, and when it comes to things like food. You know, I now that you mention it, I think that I had to do more fasting with my grandchildren because they're just used to get what they want when they want it and get all that they want and any kind of thing that they want. And every once in a while, there's a little limitation put on, well, you can't have that now. What? I can't have that now? No. Wait till later. What? Later? How's that going to happen? Yeah. And how beneficial uh, fasting would be for children for that reason. I I go to uh, India and I have this friend that runs, it's called Ark Family Ministries in Hyderabad. Mm. And we work with the AIDS kids and they have maybe three dozen children there. And over the years, I've gotten to know the kids. And I think of my grandchildren. I don't want that. We had that yesterday. And these kids, three meals a day, they have, they own uh, a little pan and and a little cup and a spoon. Well, they don't have a spoon because they ate with their hands. It's just a little cup and pan. And then they have a, 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 they roll out this little plastic thing and they sleep on. Mm. And they have a little, what we call is a step stool to reach up and get something in a cabinet. That's their desk. That's all they have. All their world belongings are in a little, you know, one by one by one locker. It's all in there. And uh, I eat with them. And so you get up to breakfast, you have a big pile of rice and dal. And then you have lunch, you have a big pile of rice and dal with some other flavorings in it, maybe. Mm. And then they flavor it to big, big, and they have rice and dal, rice and dal, rice and dal every day, their whole life. Mm. And, and I think, man, they, they don't even know. They're just, they're so happy. You know, half of them have AIDS, some of them are really struggling, mm-hmm. and they don't have any parents. They're living in this orphanage, and they're happy. And I see my grandkids sometimes going, man, I don't like that. I don't like that either. Wow. Mom, I want this. Mom, I want that. What? I can't have that. I want this. And I think, so I get my grandkids alone. I sit them down, <laughs> open up the Bible, and start going through things <laughs> like that. And in the middle of it, one of them will hit something, hits, hey, that's mine. Wait, wait, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, they're fussing over something. And then I get into the me, my, mine, I want my stuff. Give me my stuff. And then they'll go, oh, did I do that again? Yes, you did. Yeah. You did it right here. And, and so I really do think fasting fits in with that too, but you can fast from other things. I don't know what's going on with electronics. And they have to have these things at, at two and five and seven. And yeah. they're the little kids are, they can't hardly walk in. And they got the little thing that they're just flipping like this, right. you know, for hours and hours. And they're looking at it right here, flipping that little screen, you know, fasting from that, which is what fasting used to be, you know, in, in the old Testament, you look at fasting, you would fast from things and you would sec, uh, get along with God and you would fast from doing things for a while. And I think, boy, our kids need that too, because, this entitled generation, mm. we're even letting people come in the border that go, there was one person, I live right there on the border. And so I see it all the time. And it's a big mess. If we're going to have people come into the country, we need to figure out how you do it and be ready for it and systemize it somehow. And not just come across and, and people come across. I, I deserve this. I, I come, I came across there. You can't say no. And, and they're, they have that attitude as they come in. And I thought, wow, that's a terrible, that's a terrible wow. attitude. Wow. Joe. Yeah, I, I have a, another question, uh, Jim. You started off the podcast talking about uh, some of the way the animals are designed, ruminants and, and so on. I found that very interesting. I wonder if you might comment on the design of the human body, because it seems that we're able to eat all kinds of different things. And while we tend to abuse that privilege and eat uh, you know, uh, too much or, or not the right things all the time, it seems that our bodies can handle a lot of that. I wonder if you find any design arguments uh, in the gastrointestinal tract or whatever that uh, allows us to to eat all kinds of different foods. It makes me think about Hugh. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, as as we populate the world and go into different places and stuff, and people have their certain diets that they have to be on, this body is fearfully and wonderfully made, and it is astonishing what we can do to it. We can, on the bad side of things, we can just eat foods that are highly processed, that don't have much food value, beat our bodies up forever, and it does amazingly well at coping with that. Mm. I was at a meeting just last week, and there was this guy who was a fruitarian. He ate, and I did this once in my younger life, in my 20s, where he ate nothing cooked. 
And then, then it got to even less than that. He didn't have any nuts or seeds. He didn't have any high protein foods. And he got down to his eating 12 foods, you know, tomatoes, grapes, arugula. He had a list of a few things he ate. And I think he's been doing it for 25 years. And I think, God, that's amazing that if you just eat whole foods, you can abuse your body and shrink it down to this one little group of things. And you can still do well mm. because we have the ability to get nutrients from all these funny sources. And then someone will say, now nah, I'm a carnivore. And I said, really? And I said, yeah, you don't eat anything but meat? And they go, no. How long have you been doing that? He says, I went on the carnivore diet. She said, don't eat any plant foods at all. What? And I said, you're not a lion. Yeah, but this, I feel really good. And for a period of time, you can do that too. When you abuse what we eat and abuse yourself, your body can go on for a long period of time, but sometimes it can't continue to do that because you're just losing out on certain nutrients that you need. So it's not just God made this system that that's really tasty. I want sweet things and salty things and sour things. And I like all that stuff. That's good that God gave us all those desires to do that. But if we start just looking to that, trying to fulfill that, the main reason he gave us to eat is that we have to, or we die. Mm -hmm. We have to go and get the things out there that our body requires that we don't make. And you get it best by a variety of things. Best chance of getting all the things you need is eat a wide variety of whole foods. And uh, I said that once. People say, well, what, what's your basic recommendation? Eat whole foods. Yeah, yeah, but you didn't say, am I supposed to be a carnivore or a vegetarian? Uh -huh, huh? Eat whole foods. And if you just do that, and you really do eat whole foods, and don't, I just like the muscle meat. I don't like any of the tendons or stuff on there because they're gristly and I don't like gristle. And I just want to eat that. Okay, but you're missing out on all those things. Are your fingernails falling apart? You know, how, how is your skin doing? Uh, because you get all that from those certain, you know, amino acids that are in there. And, and so, yeah, it's, it is amazing to me how we can, to answer that question, eat such a variety of foods. And it's like God gave us abundantly more and above all that we could ask or think. Mm -hmm. Because we probably could get the nutrients we need from a select group if you get the right things. But he just put it all out there and said, enjoy all of this stuff. And really, the more wide variety of things you eat, the greater chance you have of getting all the nutrients that you need. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. I have a question, Ken. Uh, Jim, um, being that we live in a society that worries about weight, but isn't necessarily uh, um, tuned into the idea of fasting, uh, there's all kinds of uh, pills available uh, to do certain things to help a person lose weight. I would like to have your comments on what do these pills do to help a person and what do you think about these pills? You know, every, <clears throat> every drug has side effects because it stops something right. or starts something. And so mm -hmm. you want to start it or stop it for this reason. Yeah, but it's doing all these other things too, which are called side effects. And so I don't recommend really anybody taking the pills. There's a whole slew of them. I mean, at one time there was one Alestra and people were taking it. It was a fat that you didn't absorb. Well, since you didn't absorb it, you pooped it out. And since it came out as a liquid, you couldn't stop it. And mm. they call it anal leakage. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to be. What's the, what's the downside of this? <laughs> what's the contraindication? <laughs> anal leakage. Well, that mm. doesn't sound good, <laughs> you know, when I'm doing it. So each one of them has something. And the other thing to go past the drugs is to surgery. I think this is barbaric. I remember, well, I wasn't around, but I remember reading about, they would bleed people. Okay, you're sick, bleed you, bleed you, bleed you, up, lost another one, bleed you, bleed you, up, lost another one. And I thought, what are you doing? I'm trying to bleed out the bad stuff, but you're bleeding out all the good stuff too. You know, why did that make sense back then? I don't know, but they did it. And we look back at it, that's stupid. You know, why did, we, why did they do that? It's the same kind of thing. I can't control my eating. I'm gonna cut my stomach out. Wow. Mm. That's kind of mm. drastic and it can work, but boy, I have so many people that did it. And, uh, and so for some people, I think everything has its place. And so I think that has its place. I think we overdo it. And uh, same thing with medications. They do have their place. They work for different reasons. There's a whole slew of different reasons that they work. And um, at some time that's good, but you have to, at some point then correct what caused you to overeat in the first place, which wasn't lack of that pill. And mm -hmm. so the pill helps 
to get through something. Modern medicine does great at giving you something to help you get through something in a crunch. Mm. It does very poorly with chronic conditions that you need to change lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I work at a college, John Patrick University, and it's a college of lifestyle medicine. Okay. And so what we teach and what the other professors teach, I run the master's program in nutrition and functional and integrative medicine. And what you're looking at are things that you can do with lifestyle. Because so much of what we deal with is lifestyle. And no matter what you do, the doctor can't really give you a pill. To, can't you give me a pill? No. You're going to have to stop doing that and start doing that. Oh, I don't want to do that. Tough. You have to, if you really want to get better, we have to change the things that we do because everything we do, do has a consequence. And so, yeah, I think the pills can be good. Some are better than others, but they're never the final answer because we need to change our lifestyle to correct what was causing it in the first place. Very good. Jim, tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing here at RTB. What, uh, what, what do we have you working on over the next week or so? You know, um, I don't know. <laughs> no, I do know. I know, I know some of it. Um, one of the reasons I came this time is I really want to work on what we started out with, the testable creation model. I want to give all my weird ideas before I let someone in the actual world know about it and see what uh, you and Fuzz and you think about them. Like, no, that's not really going to work. Or <laughs> how can I change that to make it work? Because I can see these things that I do and, and I can look at all these nutritional things and I can look at the science behind it and I can say yes or no, it, it has a scientific basis. But to fit it into the model, the model is so important that people always say, yeah, the Bible says, it. yeah, but it's not testable because everyone wants to test something, you know? And when Hugh came up with that a few years ago, when I first heard it, I thought that's really good because yeah, you can test it. And just going back to the first thing of in the beginning, God, and you look at the big bang and, and that's testable. So I hope to work on that. I want to work with the staff too. Um, I, my, I think God is changing my calling before COVID. <laughs> Everything's going to be referred to as before and after COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but before COVID, I was traveling, giving, I don't know. BC, <laughs> AC. AC, yeah, AC. <laughs> before COVID, after COVID. And so I was traveling and giving, I don't know, four or five dozen talks and just on 150 flights, traveling, traveling to everybody. And I really think now I'm, I'm not pushing that now. I, I'm still doing some of it. But I think that the Lord wants me to spend more time with the body of Christ because we have our own stuff and we are, we are spirit, soul, and body. And we need to work on all three and we don't do as well working with the body. And so I'm really thinking I want to spend more time with that. I work with a little Bible school up on my YouTube page after you know denying it forever. I finally started doing YouTube and I never wanted to and I, I still don't like it really. And my assistant says, yes, we want to do it. No, I really don't want to do it. And so I've been putting some things up and it has been beneficial. I put one up on eating for the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. And then I did one on fasting, uh, Isaiah 58. And I went through some of the things in Isaiah 58 on spirit, soul, and body. And I put that up and I did a class because of COVID and I hadn't, wasn't really busy. And I did something for four or five weeks on weight loss without dieting. And I put that up there. Wow. <laughs> and so it, it just talks about principles on what you can do without going into some kind of a strange, difficult fasting thing. What's gotten us to, to eat to where we are? We eat what we want when we want it. Okay, well, how do we handle that then? What do we do? What are we supposed to do? What principles do we have to help us do that? And so I, I did that. And so, yeah, so I hope to work on some of that here too, you know, and speaking with the staff. I mean, last time I was here for five days or six days, I think I spoke to the staff every day. Yeah. And uh, I... I'm here for two weeks now and I don't think I'm going to do it every day, but as much as I can, I want to, because I'd like to get those basic principles out to them. So that's really it. I want to see the testable creation model, <clears throat> the things I've worked with and work with the staff <clears throat> and then see what else there is that I can do with the body of Christ that I might be able to plug into somehow to do what I do more with believers. Now, if people want to contact you or people want to see these videos or they want to hear more about you, how can they go about that? What what uh, what place on the web or how can they contact you? You know, I have a lot of them that I've done for a while on drjimpainter.com. And I don't use that much. I've never wanted a website. I finally got one and I 
I use it a little. And so I do have materials up there. And like I said, with uh, YouTube, I think it's still just Dr. Jim Painter is the YouTube channel with my pretty face on it. If you see the old, <laughs> old guy, you know, that's him. That's, I think I saw him before. That's him, yeah. <laughs> he looked like that old. Yeah, he's really old. And so uh, I've been trying to put things up there in packages um, okay. to answer questions so that I can refer people. I had just put this thing up on fasting and I was on a flight about a month ago and a flight attendant uh, who's going just deadheading sat next to me in the exit row. Mm. Who are you? What do you do? We talked about it. And she, she was overweight and she said, I really like lose weight. And I said, you can go to my website. Now she's got, she's a miracle worker because she's a flight attendant. And so she can be online the whole time. And so she started going through my videos and I'm sitting there, she's asking me questions. She's going through the video and I, and I kept answering her questions. By the time, I, I think the ones on fasting, it might be, it might be 10 minutes, um, you know, 15 minutes, four minutes, 40 minutes. And she went through the whole thing in the flight. It's just, she went to all five videos. Wow. wow. And I thought, there is a benefit to YouTube. <laughs> I never, I never <laughs> figured the benefit out, but I thought that worked out well. I can study yeah. on my next thing, working on it. And she's doing that and asking questions. Jim, it's been great having you on Straight Thinking. Thank you for your work for the public. Thank you for uh, caring about the staff here at RTB. And uh, I always enjoy picking your mind and interacting with you. So it's been a pleasure to have you on Straight Thinking today. Well, thanks for having me. I, I got in last night at three o'clock after multiple delays mm -hmm. and <laughs> fell in the bed, got up, came here, walk in the door, and I do this. <laughs> I think <laughs> we put you to work <laughs> right away. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, thank you, Dr. Painter. We appreciate having you on Straight Thinking. For the team here, Ken Samples and Dave Rogstad, this is Joe Aguirre with a reminder that the goal of apologetics is not victory, but truth. Thanks for listening and join us for the next edition of Straight Thinking. Thank you for listening. Your prayers and financial support are reaching people with reasons for faith in Jesus Christ, our Creator and Savior. To allow Reasons to Believe programs like this to continue, make your gift today at reasons.org.